You are now listening to Unsolved Mysteries and Cold Cases. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, your guide into the shadowy depths of the unresolved, the enigmatic, and the chilling. Each episode, we'll delve into baffling disappearances, unsolved crimes, and tales that have slipped through the cracks of time and memory. Through interviews, expert analysis, and meticulous investigation, we'll attempt to piece together the puzzles that have perplexed minds for years. So, if you have a curious heart and a mind unafraid of the shadows, join me in unraveling the enigmas that refuse to be forgotten and give voice to the silent tales hidden within the folds of history. The crisp, autumn morning of September 29, 1982, in suburban Chicago, began like any other. Parents were rushing to get their children off to school, commuters were weaving their way through traffic, and homes were gradually waking up to the rhythm of another bustling day. Amid the bustle, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman was feeling a little under the weather. To soothe her sore throat and runny nose, she reached for a comforting remedy found in almost every American household, a capsule of extra-strength Tylenol. Little did she know, it was to be her last act. This seemingly innocuous pill was laced with a deadly poison, and soon, Mary would become the first victim in a string of mysterious and chilling murders that would shock the nation and forever change the world of consumer safety. In the days that followed, seven people would fall victim to cyanide-laced Tylenol capsules, sparking widespread panic, a nationwide investigation, and an enduring mystery that, even decades later, continues to intrigue and bewilder. This is the haunting tale of the Chicago Tylenol murders, a story of tragedy, terror, and the relentless quest for answers. It's a journey that delves into the lives of the innocent victims, the tireless work of investigators, the chilling theories and suspects, the dramatic efforts to solve the mystery, and the remarkable impact these murders had on society at large. This is not just a story of an unsolved crime. It's a testament to human resilience in the face of fear and a chilling reminder of the thin line between trust and trepidity. Brace yourselves as we venture into the darkest corners of one of the most puzzling and profound chapters in the annals of American crime history. Chapter 1. The Deadly Outbreak On the morning of September 29, 1982, the sun gently rose over the quiet suburb of Elk Grove Village, Illinois, its rays casting a soft, orange glow on the rows of middle-class homes that lined the streets. In one such home, the Kellerman household was stirring, the smell of brewing coffee and the hum of the morning news drifting through the rooms. But Mary Kellerman, their vibrant twelve-year-old, wasn't her usual lively self. She shuffled into the kitchen, a soft murmur of complaint about a sore throat and a stuffy nose escaping her. Her parents, both up early for work, glanced at each other with concern etched on their faces. In an attempt to assuage her discomfort, Mary's father, Dennis, fetched a bottle of extra-strength Tylenol from the medicine cabinet. The family trusted the brand, as did millions of American households. With a reassuring pat on her shoulder, Dennis handed Mary the small, oblong capsule, which she took with a glass of water. Within moments, the bustling morning routine resumed as Mary went back to her room to prepare for school. Neither Dennis nor Mary's mother, Helen, could have anticipated the horrifying events that were about to unfold. 
It wasn't long before Mary's calls for help echoed through the house. Dennis and Helen found her in the bathroom, crumpled on the floor. Despite their frantic efforts to help their daughter, she passed away shortly after being rushed to the hospital. Confusion and grief blanketed the Kellerman household, but no one could have suspected that this sudden tragedy was the first of a string of deaths about to shake the nation to its core. This was the morning that marked the beginning of the notorious Chicago Tylenol murders, a case that remains one of America's most baffling unsolved crimes. In the quiet suburb of Arlington Heights, the same day as Mary's untimely passing, Adam Janis, a postal worker, experienced a wave of discomfort that left him reaching for relief in the form of a Tylenol capsule. Soon after, he was found lifeless, an inexplicable end to an otherwise ordinary day. The tragedy left his family and community reeling, their shock turning into sheer disbelief when the unthinkable happened next. As family gathered in Adam's home to mourn, his brother, Stanley, and Stanley's wife, Teresa, experienced similar symptoms of malaise. Hoping to ward off what they believed to be symptoms of stress and grief, they too sought solace in the innocuous-looking Tylenol capsules left on Adam's kitchen counter. Within hours, both collapsed, leaving the Janus family grieving three members in a single day. Their home, once filled with the chatter of shared memories, was now suffused with an eerie silence. Simultaneously, across various suburbs of Chicago, other individuals, Mary McFarland, Paula Prince, and Mary Reiner, were also battling minor ailments. Each reached for a Tylenol capsule, unknowingly sealing their fate. Their untimely deaths added to the mounting toll, setting off alarm bells throughout the region. In the midst of this growing crisis, a chilling pattern began to emerge. It wasn't a spreading disease or an airborne contagion that was taking lives. It was the trusted household name, Tylenol. A wave of panic began to sweep across the nation, marking the start of a terrifying saga that was far from over. As the death toll rose, the urgency to unravel this deadly mystery grew, catapulting the Chicago Tylenol murders into the annals of America's most perplexing unsolved crimes. As news of the shocking deaths spread, fear gripped the heart of Chicago. People stared at their medicine cabinets, the small red and white Tylenol bottles suddenly transformed from trusted allies to potential executioners. The scale of the crisis expanded swiftly, making every headache or minor ailment a potential harbinger of death. In the Illinois suburb of Lombard, Mary McFarland felt the onset of a splitting headache while working at her job in Illinois Bell. Trusting in the relief that Tylenol had provided in the past, she popped a capsule, unknowingly swallowing the same lethal concoction that had claimed others. Hours later, Mary was found dead becoming the fourth tragic casualty. Back in Chicago, Paula Prince, a flight attendant who had just returned from a Las Vegas trip, purchased a bottle of Tylenol from a local Walgreens before heading home. The vibrant, energetic woman known for her friendly demeanor was later found lifeless in her apartment, a victim of the same poison pills. The death toll rose again when Mary Reiner, a recent mother, took a Tylenol capsule to alleviate post-labor discomfort. The joy of bringing a new life into the world was tragically short-lived, as Mary's life was cruelly snuffed out, leaving behind a husband and four children.
These individual tragedies coalesced into a horrifying realization a murderer was on the loose, and the weapon of choice was something as everyday as a Tylenol capsule. The mounting death toll sent shockwaves through the nation, shattering the trust people placed in over-the-counter medications. With every passing day, the dread grew thicker, as investigators raced against the clock to halt the unseen killer's deadly spree. The Tylenol murders had begun in earnest, casting a long, chilling shadow over the city of Chicago and far beyond. Chapter 2 The Investigation Unfolds With the haunting pattern of deaths becoming increasingly evident, investigators dug deeper, driven by the desperate need to halt the invisible killer in its tracks. Their initial bewilderment gave way to grim determination as they probed the mysterious connection between the victims, the consumption of Tylenol capsules. Autopsies were immediately ordered, and samples were flown to local laboratories. Scientists worked around the clock, their faces etched with a mix of apprehension and resolve. Under the bright lab lights and through powerful microscopes, they hunted for the deadly infiltrator in the bodies of the victims. The breakthrough came from the medical examiner's office in Cook County when the potent smell of almonds filled the room a grim indicator of cyanide presence. In a bustling crime lab, Dr. Thomas Kim, a forensic toxicologist, dissected a Tylenol capsule from one of the victim's bottles. He placed the tiny contents into a petri dish, where it turned a haunting shade of blue under chemical testing. It was the final confirmation cyanide was present in lethal quantities, nearly 10,000 times more than what could kill a person. The revelation sent a chilling shock through the investigators' ranks. The poison, cyanide, was often used in manufacturing and mining industries but was not easily accessible to the average person. It was evident now that their perpetrator was not just cruel, but alarmingly resourceful. The knowledge of the poison set a dire tone to the investigation, making it painfully clear that an ordinary bottle of Tylenol had become a weapon in the hands of a ruthless murderer. The race was on to find this faceless criminal before the death toll rose any higher. Once the lethal substance was identified, investigators embarked on a relentless hunt for clues, tracing the tainted Tylenol capsules back to their origins. The job fell to a coalition of local police, Illinois state investigators, and the brightest from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Even the Food and Drug Administration joined the crusade their united front revealing the magnitude of the crisis. Leading the charge was Illinois Attorney General Tyrone Fainer, whose stern demeanor masked the strain of the weighty task ahead. Together with FBI Special Agent Robert Long, they assembled a dedicated task force, working day and night to weave together the fragments of a terrifying puzzle. Their first step was tracking the Tylenol bottles. Each bottle provided its own breadcrumb trail, leading investigators to different stores, from a jewel supermarket in Arlington Heights to a local drugstore in Elk Grove Village. The puzzling fact that the poisoned bottles were purchased at different locations suggested the perpetrator had moved around, meticulously planting their deadly seeds. Simultaneously, a meticulous examination of surveillance footage from the stores became a top priority. Detectives squinted at grainy images, their eyes tracing the movements of countless customers. Amid the sea of faces, 
they were hunting for one that may have shown a little too much interest in Tylenol bottles. The trail led them through a labyrinth of possibilities, but the elusive murderer stayed a step ahead. Every lead seemed to dissolve into frustrating dead ends, and every clue they unearthed added to a complex web of mystery. The task was daunting, but the determined team pressed on, knowing that every minute counted in their race against the poisoner's clock. The chilling game of cat and mouse had begun, with the stakes higher than they'd ever been before. In the course of their investigation, a host of potential leads emerged, casting the net of suspicion far and wide. With the menace of the Tylenol murderer hanging over the city like a storm cloud, investigators were under immense pressure to bring the culprits to justice. One lead directed them to the production line of Johnson & Johnson, the parent company of Tylenol. The possibility of the poison being introduced during manufacturing was painstakingly explored. Teams descended upon the factories, their footfalls echoing in the cavernous space as they meticulously inspected the conveyor belts and assembly lines, hunting for signs of foul play. But their effort yielded nothing. The manufacturing process was clean, and the employees were just as horrified by the unfolding tragedy as the rest of the nation. Another lead took them to a mysterious man named James Lewis. A tax consultant from New York, Lewis sent a chilling letter to Johnson & Johnson, demanding a million-dollar ransom to stop the poisonings. The task force's pulse quickened at the potential breakthrough, their investigation rapidly zeroing in on this new suspect. However, although Lewis was found guilty of extortion, there was no evidence tying him to the actual murders. The promising lead faded into yet another frustrating dead end. Investigators also looked into the victims' backgrounds, hoping to find a common link that might uncover a motive. But the victims, ranging from a 12-year-old schoolgirl to a 35-year-old postal worker, seemed to be random targets with no discernible connection, their only link being the deadly Tylenol capsules. Each dead end was a blow to the investigation, but it only fueled the investigators' determination. The team remained undeterred pressing forward against the tide of uncertainty, aware that the murderer was still at large. As leads fizzled out, the case took on a grimmer tone, each passing day amplifying the enigma of the Tylenol murders. The puzzle pieces remained elusive, the overall picture painfully incomplete, leaving the investigators grappling in the dark. Chapter 3 The Haunting Unknown As the death toll rose and news of the investigations unfolded, a palpable wave of fear gripped the public. Families across America stared at their medicine cabinets with newfound trepidation. What was once a source of relief had become an object of dread. The simple act of swallowing a pill for a minor ailment now carried a horrifying risk. The media played a crucial role in shaping this public fear. Every new death, every lead, and every dead end was reported in grim detail with news anchors like Walter Jacobson of Chicago's WBBM-TV delivering updates that held the nation in a vice-like grip. Graphic images of victims, tearful interviews with bereaved family members, and shots of investigators examining Tylenol bottles became a daily staple, keeping the fear fresh and omnipresent. The panic was not limited to Chicago or even Illinois. It spread across the nation like a wildfire 
the name Tylenol becoming synonymous with the faceless terror. Shoppers avoided the pain relief aisles, leaving rows of Tylenol bottles untouched on the shelves. In homes, bottles of the once popular painkiller were discarded, their rattling contents echoing the public's shaken trust. Johnson & Johnson, once a trusted household name, faced a devastating blow. Their market shares plummeted, and the Tylenol brand seemed on the brink of collapse. Their CEO, James Burke, bore the brunt of the public fear, his every move scrutinized as he navigated the crisis. The corporation, the public, and the investigators were all entwined in the growing tapestry of terror, each playing their part in the unfolding drama of the Chicago Tylenol murders. In the shadow of the public's fear and investigators' relentless pursuit, the perpetrator remained shrouded in mystery. This phantom menace, who turned the benign into the deadly, was like a wisp of smoke, unseen but potent, lurking in the backdrop of the chaos. There was a haunting sense of dread about the assailant. The meticulous planning, the widespread distribution of the poison, and the ruthless execution of the plan suggested a cold, calculating mind. The selection of a household staple as a weapon of destruction demonstrated a perverse knowledge of everyday life and a grim desire to wreak havoc. Investigators and criminologists drew up psychological profiles, hoping to gain insight into the mind behind the mayhem. They painted a picture of a sociopath, one who was not just highly intelligent but also devoid of empathy. A manipulator who took pleasure in spreading fear and witnessing the resulting chaos from a safe distance. However, despite these assumptions, the face and motives of the poisoner remained frustratingly elusive. There were no witnesses, no apparent connections between victims, no evidence left at the scene, and no discernible patterns that could lead to the identification of the criminal. The unknown assailant became an enigma, a phantom figure that continued to haunt the collective consciousness long after the initial shockwave of the murders subsided. Their identity remained one of the most chilling unsolved mysteries of the era, leaving a profound impact on society and the annals of crime history. In the aftermath of the Chicago Tylenol murders, an unexpected and unnerving development took root, the emergence of copycat criminals. Spurred on by the widespread fear and the seemingly successful evasion of capture by the original perpetrator, these imitators sought to replicate the original horror for their own perverse satisfaction or personal gain. The first of these incidents struck in California, where a woman named Stella Nickel poisoned Excedrin capsules with cyanide in a bid to kill her husband. In a chilling echo of the Tylenol murders, she planted the tainted bottles in stores to make the deaths seem random. Her deadly ruse was uncovered eventually, marking a brief triumph against the wave of imitators. Meanwhile, in New York, a man named Robert Richardson attempted to extort the makers of Lipton Cup of Soup by threatening to lace their products with rat poison. His threats, although eventually proved to be empty, added to the panic and mistrust that had gripped the nation, further exploiting the public fear birthed by the Tylenol murders. Across the country, reports of tainted products flooded in, each one fanning the flames of the ongoing panic. From rat poison in soda cans in Washington to hydrochloric acid in eye drops in Texas, the grim list grew. 
law enforcement agencies found themselves battling not just one unknown enemy but a slew of them, the monstrous legacy of the original Tylenol murderer. While most of these copycats were apprehended and their plans thwarted, their actions prolonged the climate of fear and mistrust. The shadow of the Tylenol murders extended far beyond the borders of Chicago, creating a ripple effect of terror that extended throughout the nation. The sinister legacy of the original crime was not just the victims it claimed, but also the dangerous inspiration it provided to other would-be criminals, making its impact all the more terrifying and enduring. Chapter 4 The Theories and Suspects Amidst the chaos and confusion that followed the Tylenol murders, numerous theories and accusations emerged, casting a wide net of suspicion but often leading investigators astray. These unfounded allegations, while captivating the public's imagination, often lacked substantial evidence and added layers of confusion to the already complex case. One such theory pointed fingers at Ted Kaczynski, infamously known as the Unabomber. Kaczynski's extensive history of sending mail bombs, coupled with his residing in the Chicago area during the Tylenol murders, made him a prime suspect in the public eye. However, no concrete evidence linked him to the Tylenol case. Despite the tantalizing possibility, the accusation remained unsubstantiated, and Kaczynski's reign of terror stood separate from the poisonings. Another theory suggested an insidious form of corporate sabotage. As Johnson & Johnson's shares tumbled and their reputation took a hit, whispers of a ruthless business rival being behind the murders surfaced. However, no rival companies or disgruntled employees emerged as tangible suspects, leaving this theory as yet another wild goose chase. Then there was the speculation about a vengeful customer, an aggrieved individual seeking to punish Johnson & Johnson. The theory was fueled by the chilling letter sent by James Lewis demanding a ransom. Although Lewis was found guilty of extortion, no proof could tie him directly to the actual poisonings. His allegation, like many others, foundered on the shores of verifiable facts. These accusations, while rife with dramatic possibilities, often led to investigative dead ends, contributing to the frustration and desperation that marked this case. Each unsubstantiated theory echoed the public's desperate need for resolution and justice, their collective imagination trying to fill in the blanks left by the elusive reality of the Tylenol murders. Among the many suspects and theories that arose in the wake of the Tylenol murders, one figure stood out, James William Lewis. His involvement in the case was as intriguing as it was perplexing, a mix of calculated malice and elusive evidence that left investigators both intrigued and frustrated. Lewis, a tax consultant from New York, thrust himself into the limelight when he sent a chilling ransom letter to Johnson & Johnson. He demanded a million dollars to stop the poisonings, causing a media frenzy and making him a prime suspect in the case. His audacious move did little to endear him to the public, and his name became synonymous with the Tylenol murders. However, as investigators delved deeper into Lewis's life, they found themselves grappling with an intricate web of dubious actions and unclear motives. Lewis had a criminal record, including charges of fraud and suspected involvement in the unsolved murder of a former client. 
His history painted a picture of a man well acquainted with deception and crime, making him a plausible candidate for the Tylenol murders. Despite the damning circumstantial evidence and his blatant extortion attempt, direct proof linking Lewis to the actual poisonings remained elusive. Although he was convicted and served time for the extortion, the murder charges hung in the air, unresolved. The bottle tampering incidents seemed random, widespread and not linked to any individual victim or area, which complicated the investigators' attempts to pin the crime on Lewis. James William Lewis, the man in the eye of the Tylenol storm, became a figure of infamy and speculation. His story added another layer of intrigue to the case, the tantalizing possibility of his guilt hanging in the balance against the stark absence of conclusive evidence. His tale was a significant chapter in the saga of the Tylenol murders a conundrum of the unconvicted convict. In the vast maze of the unsolved Tylenol murders, conspiracy theories inevitably sprouted, fueled by the dearth of solid evidence and the public's undying thirst for answers. These theories, although often wildly imaginative, represented a genuine struggle to make sense of the senseless horror that had unfolded. A prominent theory suggested the involvement of a disgruntled employee within Johnson & Johnson. The meticulous nature of the poisonings, the theory argued, pointed to someone familiar with the production and distribution process. However, despite the sensationalist appeal of this idea, no employee was ever linked to the crime, and the theory gradually faded away. Another prevailing conspiracy theory implicated the government. This theory suggested that the Tylenol murders were part of a twisted experiment or a diversion tactic orchestrated by shadowy government entities. Supporters of this theory pointed to the swift enactment of the Tylenol bill and the rapid development of safety regulations as suspiciously convenient. Yet, these conjectures remained unsupported by factual evidence, making them more fiction than fact. Perhaps one of the most outlandish theories was the idea of a serial killer pharmacist. This theory postulated that a pharmacist with a morbid desire to kill was behind the poisonings. This killer pharmacist, so the theory went, was perfectly placed to tamper with medication and watch the chaos unfold. Despite its inherent drama, this theory also lacked credibility and evidence, relegating it to the realm of urban myth. These conspiracy theories, as implausible as they may have been, reflected the collective bewilderment and desperation that permeated society in the wake of the Tylenol murders. They underscored the human need for comprehension, for a clear villain, and for a narrative that made sense out of the senseless. While they didn't bring any closer the resolution of the case, they added another fascinating layer to the already intricate history of the Tylenol murders. Chapter 5 Efforts to Solve the Mystery the Tylenol murders were not only a horrific event that shook the nation but also a catalyst for an unprecedented revolution in the field of forensics and criminal investigations. Amidst the tragedy and chaos, the case served as a wake-up call, highlighting the need for more robust investigative tools and techniques. Dr. Michael Schaefer, a renowned forensic toxicologist at the time, found himself at the forefront of this evolution. Tasked with identifying the poison used in the murders, Schaefer's work was instrumental in pinpointing cyanide as the lethal agent. His meticulous laboratory work provided the critical first piece of the puzzle, 
setting the stage for the rest of the investigation. The murders also highlighted the importance of trace evidence in crime solving. Investigators worked tirelessly to trace the poisoned Tylenol bottles back to the stores where they were sold. They examined each bottle, each cap, and even the residue of the cyanide, looking for microscopic clues that could lead them to the perpetrator. This painstaking work, while not yielding the expected result in this case, paved the way for enhanced trace evidence analysis in future investigations. Furthermore, the case catalyzed the development of criminal profiling. The unknown nature of the assailant prompted law enforcement agencies to work with psychologists and sociologists to develop potential profiles of the killer. This approach, although in its infancy during the Tylenol murders, would later become a cornerstone in solving numerous complex crimes. In this way, the tragic saga of the Tylenol murders became a driving force for innovation in forensic science. It marked a turning point in the history of criminal investigations, transforming techniques and prompting new methodologies. Despite the sorrow it brought, the case also sowed the seeds for a revolution that would reshape the landscape of forensic investigations and bring about a new era in the fight against crime. Johnson & Johnson, the pharmaceutical giant caught in the eye of the Tylenol murder storm, found itself on a precipice. The company's response in this crisis, however, has since been lauded as a textbook case of effective and ethical crisis management. In the immediate aftermath, under the leadership of CEO James Burke, Johnson & Johnson made a bold decision prioritizing public safety over profit. They initiated an immediate recall of approximately 31 million bottles of Tylenol, costing the company over $100 million. This unprecedented move, while financially painful, underlined the company's commitment to consumer safety. In the midst of a crisis threatening to erode public trust, Johnson & Johnson engaged in a robust public relations campaign. They collaborated with the media and law enforcement, helping distribute warnings to hospitals, retailers, and consumers about the potential danger. The company's leaders held press conferences, acknowledging the crisis and assuring the public that they were doing everything in their power to rectify the situation. Perhaps the most significant outcome of this crisis was the company's re-engineering of its product packaging. To prevent such tampering in the future, Johnson & Johnson developed the tamper-evident packaging a new safety seal that would clearly show if the bottle had been tampered with. This safety feature, initially a direct response to the Tylenol murders, quickly became an industry standard in the pharmaceutical and consumer goods sector. The Tylenol murders could have been a death knell for the popular painkiller and the company that produced it. Yet, Johnson & Johnson's swift, transparent, and proactive response turned a potential catastrophe into a defining moment of corporate responsibility. Their actions not only saved their product but also reshaped industry standards, leaving a lasting impact on consumer safety worldwide. The shadow of the Tylenol murders lingered long after the initial shock and panic subsided. In the face of an unresolved mystery and a public still yearning for answers, law enforcement agencies found themselves compelled to revisit the case in later years. In 1999, nearly two decades after the murders, the FBI announced a renewed investigation into the case. 
fresh advancements in DNA technology presented new possibilities for examining evidence, and with this renewed vigor, investigators hoped to breathe new life into the cold case. Key figures, like Special Agent Robert J. Holly, spearheaded the renewed efforts. Holly, known for his dogged pursuit of justice and meticulous attention to detail, led a team of skilled investigators and forensic experts. They re-examined all available evidence, poring over the remnants of the poison Tylenol capsules, and re-interviewed potential witnesses, leaving no stone unturned in their quest for answers. The renewed investigations also saw the re-examination of prime suspects, including James William Lewis. The authorities exhumed the remains of one of the victims in 2009, hoping to gather DNA evidence that could potentially link Lewis or any other suspect definitively to the crime. While the outcome of these efforts remained inconclusive, the dogged determination of the investigators kept the quest for justice alive. The renewed investigations into the Tylenol murders underscore the enduring impact of the case on law enforcement and society. It serves as a testament to the relentless pursuit of justice, the advances in forensic technology, and the unwavering hope that one day, the mystery behind one of America's most chilling unsolved crimes will finally be unraveled. Chapter 6 Impact and Developments the reverberations of the Tylenol murders extended far beyond the realm of criminal investigations. The event marked a significant shift in consumer safety, sparking changes that would fundamentally reshape the industry and influence global standards for product protection. Representative Curtis Collins, serving Illinois in Congress, became an instrumental figure in this shift. Deeply moved by the tragedy that struck her home state, Collins championed the cause of consumer safety, advocating for stringent regulations to prevent such a disaster from recurring. Her relentless pursuit of better safety measures led to the swift passage of the Tylenol Bill in 1983. This legislation made it a federal offense to tamper with consumer products, serving as a deterrent for any potential copycats. Meanwhile, Johnson & Johnson's introduction of tamper-evident packaging a response to the crisis, quickly became the industry standard. Other pharmaceutical and consumer product companies followed suit, recognizing the crucial importance of such a measure in restoring and maintaining consumer trust. In 1999, the Food and Drug Administration further institutionalized these changes by implementing regulations that required tamper-evident packaging for over-the-counter products. This move solidified the transformation in consumer safety that had begun with the Tylenol murders. The legacy of the Tylenol murders is undoubtedly a tragic one. Yet, amidst the heartbreak and terror, it brought about an era of heightened consumer safety. It served as a stark reminder to corporations worldwide of their responsibility towards their consumers. The memory of this crisis and its aftermath continues to shape the way companies approach product safety ensuring that the lessons learned from this dark chapter in history are not forgotten. As the years passed, the Tylenol murders gradually faded from the daily headlines, but it never disappeared from the public consciousness. This chilling crime remained unsolved, its perpetrator still a faceless entity, yet it was far from forgotten. In the realm of law enforcement, the case served as a constant reminder of an adversary still at large, a mystery yet unsolved. 
veteran investigators like Robert Holly, who had worked on the case in its renewed phase, often revisited the files, unwilling to let the case go cold. The FBI kept the case open, offering a reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction of those responsible, keeping alive the hope for a resolution. Meanwhile, in the world of academia and popular culture, the Tylenol murders found a different kind of immortality. Criminologists and sociologists frequently referred to the case in their studies, dissecting its various aspects to understand the mind of the unknown criminal. True crime enthusiasts kept the story alive, featuring it in books, podcasts, and documentaries. This enduring fascination, while morbid, ensured that the victims and the devastating events were not forgotten. For the families of the victims, the Tylenol murders never faded into history. They carried the loss with them, a void that could never be filled. Yet, in their enduring sorrow, there was a determination to keep the memory of their loved ones alive. They became advocates for consumer safety and worked tirelessly to ensure that no other family would have to endure such a tragedy. The Tylenol murders remained unsolved but indelibly etched in the annals of American history. A haunting tale of an unknown killer, a symbol of corporate responsibility, and a catalyst for consumer safety reforms, it is a story that, despite its unresolved status, refuses to be forgotten. Even decades after the Tylenol murders, new developments occasionally come to light, adding fresh chapters to this enduring mystery. Each revelation stirs up public interest, rekindling hope for a potential resolution and underlining the enduring impact of this case. In recent years, the advancements in forensic technology have often been the catalyst for these developments. DNA analysis techniques have evolved significantly since the murders, offering investigators fresh angles to re-examine the old evidence. In fact, it was the evolution of these techniques that prompted the FBI to exhume the remains of one of the victims in 2009, although the effort failed to yield definitive evidence. There have also been updates related to the prime suspect, James William Lewis. Lewis, despite his criminal past and connection to the case, has maintained his innocence in the Tylenol murders. His life post the event has been punctuated with legal troubles keeping him in the public eye and adding layers to his complex character in the narrative of the Tylenol murders. In the realm of law and policy, the influence of the Tylenol murders continues to reverberate. Efforts to strengthen laws against product tampering and enforce stricter safety regulations are often linked back to the case, reinforcing its legacy in shaping consumer safety standards. The continuous flow of developments, albeit sporadic, keeps the story of the Tylenol murders alive. Each new detail, each fresh attempt at resolution, underscores the enduring intrigue of this case. As time marches on, the Tylenol murders remain a part of the collective memory, a chilling reminder of a mystery unsolved, and a testament to the relentless pursuit of justice.